together, turn to page 354. 354, the words of the song say, look to the Lamb of God. Amen. 354, as we get started this morning. If you from sin are longing to be free, look to the Lamb of God. He to redeem you died on Calvary. Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. For he alone is able to save you. Look to the Lamb of God. When Satan tempts and doubts and fears assail, look to the Lamb of God. You in his strength shall over all prevail. Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. For he alone is able to save you. Look to the Lamb of God. Are you a weary? Does the way seem long? Look to the Lamb of God. His love will cheer and fill your heart with song. Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. Look to the Lamb of God. For he alone is able to save you. Look to the Lamb of God. Fear not when shadows on your pathway fall, look to the Lamb of God. Enjoy your sorrow, Christ is all in all, look to the Lamb of God. Now sing it, let me hear you. Look to the Lamb of God, look to the Lamb of God, for he alone is able to save you, look to the Lamb of God. Amen. And turn to page 106, 106. Hark the herald angels sing. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold in come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate's deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness. Light and 
life to all he brings, risen willing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them seconds birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, once again we come before you in prayer. And Lord, we thank you for each one that is here today. We thank you for our special speaker, Brother Clayton, that he and Mrs. Clayton could be with us at this time of the year. And Lord, we just ask that you would once again move in hearts and lives. Lord, that you would do your work, that not one of us here today will withhold our worship from you, Lord. Lord, let us not get caught up in the frivolous and shallow spirit that is out there today, the spirit of the season, just to say hi to Jesus. Lord, we pray that we would allow our hearts to be affected by your word, that it would build faith, and faith always demands obedience. And Lord, that's what worship is all about. We pray that we would do that this this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz. All right, now let's turn to page 103, just a couple pages over. Thou didst leave thy throne. 103. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Heaven's arches rang when the angels sang, proclaiming thy royal degree. But in lowly birth didst thou come to worth and in great humility. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. On the fourth, thou camest, O Lord, with the living word that should set thy people free. But with mocking scorn and with crown of thorn, they bore thee to Calvary. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. When the heavens shall ring and the angels sing at thy coming to victory. Let thy voice call me home, saying, Yet there is room, there is room at my side for thee. And my heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. Amen. And one more song, 164. 164, nothing 
but the blood can wash our sins away. Amen. 164. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lord of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now this time we'll have all the children 11 and under dismissed to our junior church. And let's sing that last verse. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. And you can be seated. And just before the message this morning, Joy is going to come and sing a song that just asks a simple question. As we think of Christmas time, we think of the shepherds and those that came and worshipped Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about today. Amen. And so as soon as she is done, Brother Clayton, just come and preach to us. Uh, it's always a privilege to have Brother and Mrs. Clayton with us. Um, been preaching for over 50 years, and uh, I'll tell you, he's very patient. He put up with me when I got out of Bible college. That was quite an ordeal for him, but uh, uh, I'll tell you, I'm the, one of the reasons I'm who I am today is because of the training I got under Brother Clayton. And uh, I'll tell you, it's just a privilege to have him here today, and you pray for him as he comes and preaches to us, all right?
gift to earth. Would you come and bow at a cattle shed? Humble bed, your heart at his manger bed. Would you come and bow? Would you come? Jesus Christ the Lord, would you come and bow, would you come and bow? Gone is the baby, gone his manger bed, now I see Precious blood of Christ, our redemption bought. Would you come and bow at this cross of shame? Humble there your heart and believe on his name. Would you come and bow? Would you come? Worship and adore Jesus Christ the Lord. Would you come and bow? Would you come and I think about all those that bowed before him, the shepherds, the hosts of heaven, the wise men, and uh, the common man, and that it's a marvelous thing, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'd like to say that Lois and I are very happy to be here this morning, and we're thankful to God for brother and sister Montoro, and uh, I've looked back in my life, and I think... Uh, about some of the most joyful things I've had in the ministry has been the opportunity of uh, having a part of uh, the lives of another number of other young preachers. And I thank God for uh, the fellowship and the time that Brother Pete and I spent together on the road. It'll be something I'll never forget. We had some real good times and uh, had to work hard, but uh, anything that you get that's uh, worthwhile, you have to work for it. And uh, work never hurt anybody, my dad always said. And uh, he sure made sure that I had plenty of it to do. I'll tell you that for sure. But uh, we had a wonderful time together in the work of the Lord. And, and we had a lot of people saved in those days when we were on the road. And we, uh, I would like to do it again. So maybe I'll just steal him and uh, his family and take them with me back on the road. That'd be fun. All right, this morning I want to talk to you about the Lamb of God. 
And I want to, uh, I, I want to talk to you a little bit, first of all, about in the Bible, the Bible uses the word lamb and the little creature that God made, the beautiful little lamb, as a kind of a, a, a manifold lesson for us to learn some things about the nature of God and His relationship to us by using the lamb as an illustration. Now, years ago, I had the privilege of being a shepherd for a little while. I didn't uh, really, I really wasn't a shepherd over in the Far East like shepherds are yet there today. But I had the privilege of, uh, of raising sheep and of uh, taking care of sheep. And I'll tell you, I learned a lot uh, about how much work it really takes to take care of a flock of sheep. It's probably there's more work to those animals than any other animal on the farm. I remember uh, giving them medicine which was a really a tra- really a task and a lot of hard work. I remember uh, clipping their wool. I remember uh, making sure they had the right kind of feed and uh, making sure that uh, they were clean. You have to uh, clean the sheep because they're a dirty animal and uh, making sure they're healthy because they're uh, subject to a lot of diseases. And uh, it's a lot of work to be a shepherd. And then I have had the opportunity of... Uh, Seeing shepherds over in in the far uh, over in the Near East, in places uh, like uh, Jerusalem, I mean in uh, Palestine, uh, places like uh, uh, like Jordan, and places like Iraq, where I've been, and uh, a lot of times the shepherd will be just a boy in the family that takes care of the sheep, and that of course was true of David, was it not? He was the youngest member of the family, and it uh, fell on him that when others were having a real good time at the house, David was out taking care of the flock and taking care of the sheep. And the Bible talks a lot about the shepherd. And, of course, you remember the uh, 23rd Psalm. Uh, the Bible talks about the Lord is my shepherd. And that's one of the most beautiful portions of Scripture in our Bible, is it not? And often read. And it gives a lot of consolation to know that uh, we are like sheep. And the Lord is the shepherd, and He protects us, and He watches over us, and He guides us and leads us. Now in the Bible, the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 and verse number 29 that there was a time when Jesus was coming down to John the Baptist to be baptized of Him. They say that He walked about 90 miles to be baptized. I don't know how many people would be willing to do that today, but Jesus did. And he put a lot of emphasis on baptism. And it really is a very, very important thing in the Christian experience to be baptized. And the Bible says here in verse number 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Now here John, through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, calls Jesus the Lamb. And, of course, the lamb in the Bible is, uh, is, a, is a creature that uh, God told Israel to use as a sacrifice to roll their sins away another year. And whenever John saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Bible and God calls Jesus the Lamb of God. And uh, He came in order to die on the cross to take our sins away, as we know. And He is called the Lamb. Recently, 
One of my friends have discovered the exact place that Jesus was born. And of course, it's not in Bethlehem. It's out in the fields of Bethlehem. And the Bible says that. The Bible said that he would be born out among the lambs. And he was born, as, uh, as these uh, archaeologists have discovered, he was born in the place where the sacrificial lambs were kept for the offering at the temple. And I, I, that, that does sound reasonable, does it not? Because he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the entire world. He was called the Lamb. Now then, Jesus then in turn, in John chapter uh, let's see, 21, uh, he talks to Peter uh, that uh, after his crucifixion and after his resurrection, he talks to Peter uh, about uh, uh, serving him and obeying him and, and uh, being a leader among his followers. And this is what, it says to, what he says to them, or to Peter, in verse number 15 of uh, John chapter 21. So when he had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he was talking about the fish and everything around him. And he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now in this case, the lamb is used to illustrate to us the children of God. Whenever you're born again, you become a lamb. That is to say, you become part of the flock of God. You become part of the family of God. You're born into the family of God, and you become a part of the family of God. Whenever you trusted Christ as your Savior, what a wonderful thing took place, not just in your heart and life, not here just on this earth, but in heaven. For your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible says. And uh, the Bible says that you became a citizen of heaven. Heaven, it becomes your home. God becomes your Father. And Jesus Christ becomes your Savior. And so to speak, you're a part of the flock of God. You become one of His lambs. And the Bible says that the Lord is our shepherd, and He'll protect us. Now He's talking to Simon Peter, here in John chapter 21. And He said, Simon Peter, I'm going to make you one of the shepherds of my flocks. That is to take care of my people. You know, pastors are shepherds. They're called shepherds in the Bible. And pastor's uh, job is to uh, watch over the flock of God. And uh, so oftentimes uh, a pastor is, uh, is in tears over uh, some of the problems of his sheep. So oftentimes uh, he gets to rejoice over the blessings of his sheep in his congregation. And he's called, uh, the, the sheep are called lambs or sheep here in this portion of Scripture. All right, now then, what I want to show you this morning, primarily, is in Luke chapter uh, number 15. And it's a story uh, about something that's lost. Now, in the Bible here, in Luke chapter 15, uh, it speaks about several things uh, being lost. It first of all speaks, and that's what I want to preach to you about, a sheep in verse number 4, being lost. And uh, then in verse number 8, it speaks about a piece of silver that a woman lost. And then in verse number 11, it talks a man about a man who had two sons, and one of his sons was lost. Now in John chapter, I mean in Luke chapter 15 here, it says, Then drew near 
unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, A man, uh, what man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? He uses the sheep to illustrate to these men that were condemning him that, uh, hey, every person is valuable to Jesus Christ, no matter who they may be. You know, that we, sometimes we don't see much value in some people, but God sees value in everyone. And He has a, uh, he has a heart for every person, regardless of how bad they've been or how wicked they are, to the place where God would forgive them and wash their sins away if they were repent, no matter what they've done. I think about some terrible people who live in this world, like, like a man like Adolf Hitler, uh, or uh, Genghis Khan, or some mass murderers and killers, and even some of the uh, serial killers in America, and all those Nazi uh, officers that uh, were in charge of uh, trying to eliminate the Jews in Europe by killing six million of them. And yet, even of those wicked people, any one of them, if they had repented and come to God, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God would have saved any one of those wicked people had they come to Him with all their heart and called out for mercy and forgiveness of their sins. God is a forgiving God. He's a good shepherd. And He wants to guard our sheep. He doesn't want one soul to be lost. Not one soul to be lost. No matter who that person is or what they've done, God does not want one soul to be lost. God wants to see everyone come to repentance, the Bible says. Now here, Jesus uses an illustration of a lost sheep to speak to these people about the fact that sinners, no matter who they are, can repent of their sin and be brought into the fold, yea, into the care, into the flock of God by repentance. So he says, what one of you men here today, if you had a hundred sheep and one was lost in verse 4, you'd leave the ninety and nine in the fold or in the barn and you'd go out to seek that one lost soul. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever lost anything of value or not. I think we all have, haven't we? Maybe you can remember something you've lost that you've really regretted all of your life since. That you lost somewhere. It could have been money. It could have been an heirloom. It could have been uh, something of extreme value to you that you've lost. I can remember losing some things myself. I remember losing 25 cents a quarter one time in a, uh, in a drain in a city sidewalk and went down, kabloom, bloom, bloom, down in the sewer. And I was just a little boy, and that was a lot of money to me. I never have forgotten losing that money. Have you had that same experience? Something that maybe nobody else would really think a lot of, but you did because it was yours and you lost it. I don't like to lose things. I don't ever like to lose things. One guy said, you know, among all the things that I've lost, 
the thing that I miss the most is my mind. And some of us old people feel that about our memory. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, when you start getting old, you start thinking about the hereafter. You know what I mean? You go to the refrigerator and you say, what am I hereafter? You go upstairs and you say, what am I hereafter? You know what I mean? I heard about a guy here recently who was sitting in his easy chair in his front room, rocking back and forth, and he thought about something that he needed to do in the garage. So he got up and went out in the garage, and when he got out there, he forgot it. So he went back to sit down in his easy chair. He's sitting there rocking back and forth, and he thought of it again. He went out to do it and forgot it again. So he just went back in the front room, picked up his rocking chair, and took it out and put it in the garage. <laughs> but uh, you've lost things, have you not? Lost things. I mean, uh, the Bible here speaks about sheep as if they're very valuable to God. His sheep. I remember these sheep, this sheep business that I was in, taking care of all these sheep. And sometimes, I'm telling you, I wish they'd all died. Well, I was out there working with them, and it's hard work and it's dirty work, let me tell you for sure. But whenever February would come and the little lambs would be born, then it would make everything worthwhile. Those beautiful little lambs. Nothing more beautiful, nothing more frolicky than little lambs in the springtime. And they're about the first thing that's born on the farm. And to see them jumping around and having a good time uh, kind of takes away all the sting of what you've had to get and do to get those little lambs. And, uh, oh, and by the way, lamb chops are pretty good on the plate too, right? Amen? But, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Bible talks about these lambs here. Now, God says here that this sheep was lost. You know, as you look at, uh, you look at this story... You think about this lost sheep in the wilderness, and it kind of reminds us. Uh, it kind of reminds us of uh, the lostness of this world and the condition of the world. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen lost sheep or not, but uh, th there's nothing more defenseless than a sheep. I remember one time I went out walking in the uh, in the uh, desert of uh, Utah. The guy took me over to see it, and I got out of the car and started walking. And when I got down to the fence that uh, separated the road from the, the uh, ranch, and it wasn't much of a ranch, it was just desert, here came an old ewe, an old mama sheep with a little lamb running up there to me. And I thought about that lost sheep out there in that wilderness. And probably before midnight... That old sheep and that lamb would probably have been supper for the coyotes or the wolves. Because that lost sheep had got off away from the uh, flock of sheep. And had no defense whatsoever against those things that would devour her. Those predators that would devour her. And I've often thought about that, the lostness of that sheep. And thinking that you know, that's the condition of a soul without Jesus Christ. They're lost. They're lost in the, uh, in the wilderness of doubt and sin and the 
they're exposed to the uh, temptation and the bombardment of the devil and wickedness and evil. And the, the Bible calls, talks about them as being lost. I remember those days when I was lost. I remember day, those days before I was, was a Christian. And I knew the Lord. And you know, my emotions and my life, they, they, they were just rawly exposed to the attack of Satan and demons to the place where, I mean, the, I was uh, just almost out of control in my own heart until Jesus came and found me. Because uh, the Bible talks about uh, the wolves de devouring the sheep. And there's a lot of enemies out there that would devour sheep. I remember when I was a boy, uh, sometimes somebody would come around to our farm and they would say, hey, there's a pack of dogs loose that are killing people's sheep. You better, you better get your sheep in the barn because they're killing sheep. This pack of dogs like wolves. In fact, a dog is just a descendant of a wolf. When they get into a pack, they, they go out to kill. And they, it's not for food. One, one sheep would feed all those dogs, but they, they, they would get into a, into a flock of sheep and kill every sheep there just for the fun of killing. And uh, oftentimes uh, the sheriff would come around to examine your dog and make sure that there's no wool in his teeth because if there's a pack of dogs killing sheep, they, they have wool in their teeth that they can't get out lodged down in their teeth. And the sheriff would examine all the dogs of the area. And if he found a sheep or a dog with wool in his teeth, then that dog had to be destroyed and the farmer had to pay for part of the sheep that were killed. You know, there is a lost condition of men and women without Christ. Like uh, exposed to the powers of Satan. And the Bible says that uh, here Jesus is talking to these Pharisees and publicans who are condemning him because he associates with sinners. They don't, but he does. Why? Because he came into the world, the Lamb of God came into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus said, well, this, is, this shouldn't be strange for you. What one of you would have a flock of sheep and one of them would get lost. One hundred sheep and one of them get lost and you wouldn't leave the ninety and nine and go out and find it. You see, Jesus, the Lamb of God, came down here in this world to die for the sins of the world that we might become the sheep of His pasture, the Bible says. And then the Bible says here that, uh, in verse 5, And when He hath found it, He layeth it on His shoulders and rejoicing. You see, <clears throat> the Bible says that this Jesus is using this story of this shepherd that loses a sheep. It's lost. But he goes out to find it. All the mercy and goodness of God is expo explained here in this parable that uh, likened to the shepherd that goes out to find this lost sheep, so does the love and goodness of God come to us that are lost and seeking to save us. And the Bible says here that this shepherd finds that sheep. I like to see that God knows where we all are, doesn't He? 
doesn't he? He knows every one of us. Though we might be lost and we might be in a deluge of problems, God knows all about it because he, 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 he knows where to hunt us and He knows where to find us. Jesus said when that little lamb or when that sheep is found, He layeth it on His shoulders. First of all, here's a lost sheep. But then we find it a found sheep. And this man finds it and puts it on his shoulders. A very secure place. Puts his, this sheep on his shoulders. A place of security over the shoulders. The wolves can't get to it. This, this lamb, this wolf, this, uh, this uh, sheep, the wolves can't do it. Why? Because it's on the shoulder of the shepherd. God is our shepherd. When he finds us, he wants to put us in a secure place that the wolves, the, the hounds of the devil cannot, cannot get us because we're safe in him. Well, I thank God that I don't have to keep myself saved, that the Lord came to rescue me and he puts me in a secure place. The Bible says that we are in the hand of Christ, which is in the hand of God and sealed by the Spirit. Boy, I'm thankful today that I'm sealed. I'm thankful today that I'm protected, that I'm in the hands of God. I don't want to get out of that hand, do you? I don't want, I don't want to face this world without His help. I don't want to face this world without His, without His grace. I don't want to face this world without His protection. He puts His sheep on His shoulder. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of that, but there have been some artists that have drawn pictures of the shepherd coming back to the fold with a sheep on his shoulders. Boy, the Lord is telling him here, these, these Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, he's, he's telling them that he wants to rescue them like a shepherd would rescue the sheep. I came to Christ and said I needed rescued. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't save myself. I couldn't find my own way. I had to have the shepherd of my soul come and rescue me. And when he did, he put me in that secure place. And the devil can't get me. Boy, how, how glad I am that. The attacks of Satan against us, hey, we're with the shepherd. The temptation the devil blasts us with, hey, we're, we're able to overcome that. Why? Because we're with the shepherd. And the shepherd will protect us. I remember seeing a movie, a, a film, <coughs> some time ago. I don't know how long it was, but I wish I could have got that film and kept it because it was, it was a really good silent. There was no words in it. Uh, the film was about a shepherd over in the Near East probably somewhere in the hills of Judea. And this shepherd, uh, this shepherd uh, was walking as hard as he could walk. You could tell he'd been running. You could tell he was out of breath. There was perspiration on his brow and fear on his face as he's walking hard and fast. His sandals were clicking rocks under the hard heels as he walked through the desert fast. His, uh, his robe was flying behind him. 
He, he was tense and nervous. You could tell he was fearful. They kept on watching him walk, and then it showed his sheep. He'd gotten away from his sheep. Something had taken him away from the flock. And there they were, unprotected, gathered together, huddled together. And up on the hill, there was the glaring face of a pack of wolves looking down at those sheep, knowing that there was no one there to protect them. He was trying and walking and running and, and hurrying to get to those sheep because he didn't want to leave his sheep unprotected. And then it showed these wolves slowly slipping down over the hills toward that defenseless flock of sheep. And then the movie showed them devouring their sheep because the shepherd wasn't there. And it taught a lesson to us that you know, Jesus never leaves his flock. Jesus is the great shepherd, and we're safe and secure in him. We are little like little lambs, defenseless. But bless God, the Bible says, He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, saying that God in us is a protection that the world cannot get through. Thank, thank the Lord for that. And then the Bible says that when he does come, in verse number 5, the Bible says, On his shoulders, the Bible says, Rejoicing. Now, rejoicing is an element of all these parables here, of the lost sheep, uh, of the lost silver, uh, of the lost son. Whenever, whenever the, uh, the, the sheep is found, and the shepherd brings him home, there's rejoicing. You know, <coughs> there was rejoicing the night that Jesus was born, rejoicing in heaven. Why? Because the Lamb of God had come to the world to seek and save sinners. And there's rejoicing connected with this whole thing of repentance. The Bible says in the same chapter that there's rejoicing, I think it's verse 10, that there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. In verse number 9. No, it's, uh, it's verse number 10. One sinner that repenteth, there's rejoicing in the presence of God. <coughs> Who would that be rejoicing? Well, it could be angels, but I don't know that... Uh, I don't know that angels really do all that much rejoicing. The Bible says... Their ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation. I kind of think that it's, uh, it's some of those that have gone on before us. That whenever a soul is saved and, and comes into the care of the shepherd and gives their heart to the shepherd, that there's rejoicing. Maybe it is that bunch that have died and gone on before us that uh, we, we love and miss. That, that are in heaven when they see us re repentant and uh, coming to the Lord, maybe they rejoice. I don't know. I do believe that people in heaven know what's going on in the earth. In a certain way, I, I, don't, I can't explain that, but I, I do believe the Bible teaches that. And so maybe over one sinner that repents, maybe there's rejoicing in the presence of God and hallelujahs and 
thankfulness in the hearts of those that have already gone before us in heaven today. I think I've seen the time in my life when I've seen uh, people come to Christ and get saved, that there's rejoicing. Why wouldn't there be in heaven? There is in earth. This woman that got saved last Sunday, her whole family, yes, the whole church rejoiced over it. Her daughter and her granddaughter was exceedingly joyful over Grandma getting saved, for which they'd prayed for 14 years, as I said last night. Why wouldn't there be rejoicing in heaven? Maybe even, even God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, maybe they rejoice at the fact that one sinner repents and comes to Christ. I mean, you know, if you come to Christ and you get saved, there's going to be joy about that. Not only in your heart, but there's going to be joy in our hearts right here this morning. And there's going to be rejoicing in heaven over your repentance. The Bible teaches us that here. Rejoicing. Happiness. Wonderful times of happiness over one sinner that repented. I have a brother in heaven. His name is Don. My brother Don was kind of like the black sheep of the family, we'd call him. Meaning uh, he was uh, he was kind of a misfit. And uh, he uh, went off to the Navy. He became a champion prize fighter, and they went off to the Navy. And they just uh, they just destroyed him in that Navy, fighting the Japanese in the South Pacific. And he came home, and he had been he had been a bad boy around there. And uh, he got married to a good little old girl. She wasn't a Christian, but she got saved uh, after having lived in our family for a little while. She started asking about uh, our religion, our faith in Christ, and Jeannie got saved. But Don wasn't saved. He was still around her. And uh, one day we had come home from church and we turned on the radio like we did at our house on the farm uh, on WLW in Cincinnati, Ohio. We'd listened to a broadcast from the Cattle Tabernacle in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it was an hour broadcast. They had a choir of 2,000 voices. It was a fabulous broadcast, a fabulous uh, church service. And we listened to After our service was over, we'd come home and listen to that. Mother was in the kitchen getting everything ready for the dinner that day. And uh, we were sitting in the front room listening to this preaching. Don was there and Jeannie, his wife, and their little ones were, were playing around on the floor. B.R. Lakin was preaching, and he preached on the prodigal son, the lost son. Oh, what a great sermon. And after he got through preaching, that great choir of 2,000 voices started singing, Oh, prodigal come, oh, prodigal. Beautiful song. My brother got up out of his seat where he was sitting, went over by the radio and knelt down on his knees. And he said, Oh, my God, I'm the prodigal. And Daddy got up and knelt beside him. And Mom left the things in the kitchen, came wiping her hands into the front room, and she knelt on the other side of him. And his wife came and knelt. I'll never forget the praying. 
I mean, they made an altar out of that whole, whole front room there on the, on the linoleum in front of that, that radio. It was as good as any gold altar in any cathedral of Europe. And they prayed that day. And my brother was saved. And I'll never forget the rejoicing of that. I mean, we were so overcome and overwhelmed with rejoicing. I can hardly tell it this morning. But none of us ate the, ate the meal while it was cooking. I mean, it was way late in the day before any of us ate any more food. We were just overcome with happiness and joy. That's a beautiful story, is it not? How often times that has re been repeated. Fifty-four years I've been preaching. And for 54 years I've seen people come and repent of their sins and turn to Christ. And I, I never get used to it. I've never gotten used to it. It's, it's, not, a, it's not an automatic uh, uh, mechanical thing for me. It's always been a special time, this invitation, to seeing people come to Christ and getting saved. It's always been special. You know what? I believe it's special to God. I believe it's special in heaven. I know it's special for Jesus because that's why He came down to this old world. He came down here to seek and to save that which is lost. He came after us. And He wants to take us up in His arms. And He, he wants to give us a, a security that we cannot find anywhere else. And he, he wants to pull us up close to His heart. And He, he wants to bring us into the fold. The rest of the story Mama told me with her imagination that this shepherd brought this sheep down to the fold into the barn, into the warm straw inside that barn. And he got that sheep down there and he, he called it by name and gave it a secure pat on his head because he loved the sheep that he had gone out in the wilderness to find that was lost. My friend, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus loves you. And He cares for you. If you're here this morning and you have never trusted Him as your shepherd, never given your life to Him as, as your Savior, you need to do that today because He wants to pick you up. He wants to put you in a good, secure place next to His heart. And when you die, He wants to take you to the fold of heaven for eternity. Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's good news to me. Oh, what a privilege it's been for me to preach that all over this world year after year, Sunday after Sunday, to see people come to Christ and get saved. I wonder while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, how many would say, Brother Clayton, I do not know whether Jesus is my Savior or Lord or not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that if I die today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not real sure that uh, I have a good relationship with God. But I, but I want that personally. I want to know the Lord is my personal Savior today. Now, I'm going to pray in a moment. And I believe the prayer of a preacher on Sunday morning 
is extremely important. So I don't mechanically just say a prayer like reading it out of a book. I talk to God. And I want to talk to God for you. Would you let me do that? How many here this morning and say, Preacher, while you pray, I want to be included in your prayers. I want to know that I'm saved. Would you slip up your hand? How many? Across the audience. Yes, God bless you. And you. And you. God bless you. How many here this morning and say, Preacher, I am saved. And I know the Lord is my Savior, but I want to be included as well. I have a need in my heart. Slip up your hand. God bless you. Shall we stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the blessings that you've given us. For our Savior, who died upon the cross for our sins. How thankful we are, Lord, that you, you came to rescue us. And I pray, Heavenly Father, for these that have raised their hands today. First of all, those that uh, are here today that, that uh, are not saved and they do not know their position with God or their relationship with God. They, they're not sure that if they die today, they'd go to heaven. Father, I pray for them that before this day was out, Lord, that they would call upon you and get saved. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd bless this invitation this morning. For their sake, I pray that you deal with their hearts and help them to make a definite commitment to God today. I pray for these that are Christians here today that they're, they're the children of God, they're, the, they're in the fold of God, in the family of God, in the flock of God. Lord, they're wrestling with something that is a difficult problem for them to overcome or to face. I pray, Heavenly Father, today that you'd Bless them this morning with a special blessing right now. Help them to have a special blessing. And help them to know that the Lord is their shepherd. And we never have to want. Want for your presence. Want for victory. Want for blessing. Want for joy. We never have to want. You are our shepherd. I pray, Father, that you'd bless this invitation this morning with your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like for you to turn in your songbook with me this morning to number 558. 558. 